Good morning. I am Apostle William B. Corrector, presiding prelate of Discovered Being Ministry, Incorporated. I'd like to welcome you to today's podcast, where we will endeavor to speak on a very vital subject that was spoken by Jesus to the religious leaders of his time. And it is also applicable to us as well. What are the seven woes of Matthew chapter 23? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for another day that thou hands have made. And Heavenly Father, we will rejoice and be glad in it. We come today, Lord God, knowing that all power was given to your son, that the resurrecting power, Lord God, is here for us if we only believe in the plan of salvation that you instituted, Lord God, over 2,000 years ago. Father, we come today binding the works of the flesh, lasciviousness, lust, greed, envy, and strife. Father, we bind all the carnal minds that will come and try to hinder the work of God by negating their beliefs, the beliefs of others, and also teaching them false doctrine. Father, we come today in the name of Jesus, asking you, Lord God, that you would richly bless your people through this podcast. And we serve notice notice on Satan today that he has no authority here in the kingdom of God. It is an invisible kingdom that we reside in because the kingdom of God is in us once we believe and repent and confess that we belong to Christ and that he is ours and safer. Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> what are the seven woes of Matthew 23? In Matthew 23, Jesus pronounces seven woes on the religious leaders of his day. A war is an exclamation, an exclamation of grief similar to what is expressed by the word alas. In pronouncing woes, Jesus was prophesying judgment on the religious elite who were guilty of hypocrisy and sundry in other sins. King James Version of Summer and some other Translations list eight woes in Matthew 23, but older manuscripts have out, leave out verse 14, in which the scribes and the Pharisees are condemned for taking advantage of widows and making lengthy prayers for a show elsewhere. Jesus speaks against those very sins in Mark chapter 12, verse 40, and Luke chapter 20, verse 47. Most likely, however, Matthew did not include them among the other woes of chapter 23. The seven woes are addressed to the teachers of the law and Pharisees. In one of the woes, he calls them blind guys, referenced in Matthew chapter 23, verse 16. At the end of his denunciation, he calls them snakes and a brood of vipers found in verse 33. 
Prior to Jesus' condemnation of the religious hypocrites, they have been following him to trick him and try to ask him questions about the voice referenced in Matthew chapter 19, verse 3, and about his authority in Matthew chapter 21, verse 23, and about paying taxes to Caesar, referenced in Matthew 22, verse 13, and about the resurrection, that's in verse 23, and about the greatest commandment of the law, in verse 36. Jesus prefaced seven woes by explaining to his disciples that they should obey the teachings of the Jewish leaders as they taught the law of God, but not emulate their behavior because they did not practice what they preached. Reference in Matthew chapter 23, verse 3. The first of Jesus' seven woes condemns the scribes and Pharisees for keeping people out of the kingdom of heaven. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut up the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's face. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Reference in Matthew chapter 23, verse 13. Jesus is the only Savior and the only way to heaven. In their rejection of Jesus Christ, the Pharisees were effectively refusing to enter the kingdom of heaven. They also hindered the common people from believing in him, thereby blocking the way to heaven for others. Repentance and faith in Christ is the door of a mission to this kingdom, and nothing could be more disagreeable to the Pharisees, who saw no need for repentance in their own lives and attempted to justify themselves by strict adherence to the law. In the second of the seven woes, Jesus condemned the leaders for teaching their converts, converts the same hypocrisy that they themselves practice. They led their converts to a religion of works, but not unto true righteousness, making them twice as much a child of hell, referenced in Matthew chapter 13, verse 15. The third woe, Jesus pronounced and referred to the religious elite as blind guys and blind fools, referenced in Matthew chapter 23, verse 16 and 17. The hypocrites fancied themselves guys as the blind, of the blind, see Romans chapter 2, verse 19, but they themselves were blind and therefore unfit to guide others. The spiritual blindness caused them to be ignorant of many things, including the identity of the Messiah and the way of salvation. I think I'll repeat that again. Their spiritual blindness caused them to be ignorant of many things, including the identity of the Messiah and the way of salvation. They were blind to the true meaning of Scripture and to their own sin. They purported to guide the people into truth, but they were incapable, incapable of doing so because they had no personal knowledge of the truth. A lot of us are that way today. Instead of teaching spiritual truths, they preferred to quibble over irrelevant matters and find loopholes 
in the rules. Reference in Matthew 23, verse 16 through 22. The fourth of the seven woes called out the scribes and Pharisees for their hypocrisy and practice of tithing. They made a big deal of small things like tithing spice while they ignored cultural crucial matters. They diligently counted their mints leaves to give every tenth one to the temple. But they neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Matthew 23, verse 23 is the reference to that scripture. Turning to the Bible, Jesus said, You strain at a net, but swallow a camel, found in verse 24. In other words, they were careful to avoid offenses and minor things of little importance, straining at a net, but tolerating or committing great sins, swallowing a camel. In the fifth and sixth and seventh woes, Jesus further illustrated the different aspects of hypocrisy that characterized the religious leaders. In the fifth woe, Jesus likened them to dishes that were scripturally clean on the outside, but left dirty on the inside. Their religious observance made them appear clean and virtuous, but inwardly they, their hearts were full of greed and self-indulgence. Referenced in Matthew chapter 23, verse 25. Hallelujah. In the sixth world, Jesus compared them as whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of bones and dead and the dead and everything unclean. Referenced in Matthew chapter 23, verse 27. Again, Matthew chapter 23, verse 27. The rotten corpse, corpse inside the tomb was like the hypocrisy and the lawlessness in the hearts of the scribes and Pharisees. They appeared to be righteous on the outside, but they were just beautiful tombs. Inwardly, they were spiritually dead. Got a lot of church members, got leaders. Those that sit in the pew, those that are in the pulpit are in that shape today. Hallelujah. The hypocrisy Jesus addressed in the seventh world was directed to those who erected monuments and decorated the tombs of the prophets of old. Jesus pointed out that those prophets had been slain by the Pharisees' own ancestors. They imagined themselves to be much more better than their fathers, saying, if we had lived in those days, in the days of our ancestors, we would not have taken part with them in the shedding of the blood of the prophets. Reference to Matthew chapter 23, verse 30. But in that very statement, they acknowledged their lineage. Jesus said they were truly their father's sons, and they had inherited their ancestors' wickedness and were falling in their steps. Jesus knew their evil hearts, which would soon plot to murder him, Reference in Matthew 26, chapter 26, verse 4. Just as their ancestors had murdered the righteous men of old. The seven woes of Matthew 23 are dire warnings to the righteous leaders of Jesus' day and us as well. But they also serve to warn us against religious hypocrisy of today. Just stated that. We are called to be true 
godliness, sincere love, and enduring faith. Pretension, affection, and hypocrisy will not lead, not will only lead to woe. Ladies and gentlemen, sisters and brothers, those that are in the offices that God has placed you in, we have a obligation to stay away from the things that Jesus spoke in Matthew chapter 23. When you get up in the pulpit and you make difference in who can carry the gospel, what it should mean in your own, with your own perceptions, with your own ideology, you are straying yourself from God and causing the people to err. When you come in and live a certain life and people are very watchful, very watchful, by your walk and by your talk, you can lead people to Christ or you can cause them to stray and stay away from Christ. We as Christian leaders, as officers, ambassadors of Christ, it is our duty to the flock, not to leave them in dire distress or to leave them in deprivation, cause them to err about the ways that we can put, put restraints on them where the Bible says where the, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There are a lot of churches today and a lot of ministers, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and masters that hold the people in contempt in God's sight because of their unruly attitudes and their unruly ways. God is a principle. He is a spirit. And his word does not change for you or I. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Matthew chapter 23 applies very much so to the world today. And we are, if you don't adhere to the word, you, we, and you, and I are blind guys. Just that simple. You might not like what I'm saying. It may not be eloquent in your ear, but truth is truth. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free from hypocrisy, carnality, not knowing truly what Christ came here to do. The plan of salvation was instituted, and there's nothing that anyone can do against the truth, but for the truth. I being an ambassador to Christ, I'm nothing but a piece of dirt that God chose to place his spirit in, that I might tell the world that there is a risen Savior, but you cannot come and petition him in a lowly place. For if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. Not talking about your office, what you say you are, your degree. I hold a doctorate in divinity, it doesn't mean a thing. That's man. But I hold the Spirit of God in my temple, which reveals the hidden word, for it says those things that are hidden, 
belong to God. But the things that are revealed belong to his children. And as a word, there, sisters and brothers in Christ, whatever position you are in, that is a word behind that scripture said forever. Forever. That means an eternity. That means here on this earth and the world to come. The word of God will not fail. If you're blind, come to the light. Because he can give you sight as he gave physical sight to blind volunteers. He can give you sight to the spiritual things and the things that he has proposed for you to do in this world. To save not only yourself, that is by grace. That is done by grace. You can't earn it. Grace, grace and mercy is the only thing that we have in faith in Christ Jesus to bring us from this old earthly tomb to the glorious body of Christ. May God bless you. May God smile upon you. And may he give you peace.